Welcome, Welcome to Art with. Fiona <laughs> <laughs> Verity. Say it again. Fiona. No. Fiona Verity. And Julie Nicholson. It's, all, it's basically all about me, Peter. That's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what Julie's constantly fighting with. Shut up, Fiona! <laughs> Oh. It's like Oprah. Oprah. Julie's always saying to me, stop showing people things because yeah, yeah. it's a podcast, you twat. They can't <laughs> see it. Because <laughs> I'll hold up books and go, like, I really like this book. <laughs> oh, shit. I snorted. All right. Like, no, we love a snort. Oh, we're great snorters. So, Peter, thank you so much for agreeing to um, be on our podcast. We are delighted to have you on board. Um, I want to kick off by asking you how, and if Mm -hmm. you can't answer, I can. (laughs) Um, How would you describe yourself as an artist? Uh, I'm a multidisciplinary artist. That's what I said. Yeah. That's exactly what I said. Oh my god! I'm going to do it again. Look, that's what I wrote. I I call you a pocket rocket, multidisciplinary creator, who has been successful in singing, songwriting, painting, sculpture, performance, jewelry making, and teaching. That you seriously, you blow my mind, Peter. What have you not done? Yeah, Uh, I I always say I'm really I'm so shocking at math. Like it's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, I actually, I actually did a night woodworking course years ago, and I said to the guy, and he was a set builder, really lovely man, and I said, look, I'm really bad at math, and he was like, oh yeah, you know, blah blah blah, and we get into it, and he just turned to me one night and went, well, you really are. (laughs) (laughs) As your wood. Well, your left brain, aren't you? Uh, I, I can't even, I can barely add up. And my son does um, extension maths. And I just oh. look at him like, how? I swear they yeah. got muddled up at the hospital. I don't think he's actually mine. It's just not possible. He's got such a big brain. But I also, Peter, I also look at you as a really good voice for lots of um, different parts of our community mm-hmm. and I really admire that about you that you are not frightened to speak up and you voice no. your opinions and I don't want to call you political because I, I don't see that in a positive way but I, I really yeah. admire your ability to um, voice your opinion but in a, a grounded way you're not soapboxing you're um, able to get I really think your social media is really strong in that you get your point across but you're not biased or you're not um, preachy so that's just no, a little I- little bit of a you don't get your opinion you don't get your voice across if you shove it in someone's face as your opinion yeah it's just as like you know it's like people who are um i guess full-on religious or full-on vegans or that energy in itself is very repelling to me yeah um and it makes me nervous 
Yeah, I, like no, I agree. I agree. Mm. So, have you always been I like that, or have you learned that? We we do a lot of this. Uh, we both speak at the same time. Okay, so <laughs> it's funny because I was thinking about this the other day. Um, whilst it was nurtured in me to be to think of others, like yes. my grandmother taught me how to pray, but my grandmother told me a very very full-on story about and I was only very young when she told me this but she lived in Taree and she had a dress shop and she was having a fashion parade this was in the 70s and the local priest came around she used to go to church every week and he basically she'd asked a young Aboriginal girl to be in the parade and he came around to tell her that she had to remove the girl from the parade uh, because it was going to really upset the community. And she basically told him to fuck off and slammed the door and said she'd never set foot in his church or any church again. Yeah, wow. And it's, some, it's something very on the maternal line of my family, the women are, are very full on. Um, yeah and not afraid to speak their minds and that really that story resonated with me a lot and I just as a young kid I just remember thinking why why are you saying you bloody Asian driver like it's just a driver who's doing the wrong thing why aren't you saying you stupid white driver or and I used to I used to actually have a go at my parents if they said anything racist because fundamentally they they weren't mm. but they would say things that really counteracted that mm. and as a kid I'm going hang on a minute you can't do that you can't say this and then say that and oh my mm. god they used to get so frustrated at me but you know they ate humble pie. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so that curiosity you, that curiosity's always been there uh, or that um that questioning mind I, I think is a creative one you know and it's yes. it's how you direct that um so do you think that's why you've you've managed to have so many different chapters um going on at the same time because so tell us a bit about your um singing life did you did you start off singing or Oh, look, everything was there, oh, always, I guess. Like, as a kid, I sang, but I was also drawing. I was an only child for seven and a half years, but you don't really count the first two years of a, my yeah. sister's life because she was just a blob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, say for the first ten years, and drawing and going down to the bush where we lived um, was a real, yeah, it was a connector for me to just, I knew I liked it. I knew, um, yeah, I really liked it. I, I felt like I was in a different place when I was doing it. Mm. Um, and, you know, also when adults around you are going, oh, you're really good at that or, oh, you're good at this. But it seemed like everything else I wasn't good at. I did love writing, but sadly in high school that was sort of um, 
I just, I listened to teachers I shouldn't have listened to. And there was a lot going on too. So, you know, uh, teenagers. But, um, yeah, I guess I did. But in my life, like, there's been... So when I was singing, I let go of the art. I don't, I don't feel like I can do all of it at once. Yeah. And also the creative outlet actually comes to me. It's like, okay, I need to be doing this now. Yeah. Like it's very, I allow it to, I allow it just to speak for itself. Like the jewellery recently. Yeah. That's just come because... Um, I started having real anxiety around the materials I was using to make art and how they were impacting the environment and how ironic it was that I was into painting landscapes and bushwalking and using shit that was like plastic bottles and stuff. And then I went, how can I try and get around this? So I found materials I thought worked and then I thought well why don't I start applying what people like about my art into you functional objects like jewelry because I love jewelry yeah I um, mean it just happened so, yeah. yeah so it's been an organic process you know yeah. creativity yeah. yeah yeah it always is so if we go back to like um the sort of beginning you went to national art school was that straight after school oh god no um so I'd gone to the same school my whole life, like from pre-kinder, because it was a private school, yeah. to year 12. So by the end of that, I was just like, get me the fuck out of any <laughs> institution. Yeah. I, and I failed the HSC. Um, but ironically, I got into Newcastle Uni to do art. Yeah. And... I just said, no, I needed to take a break. So I got a job and my mother, friggin', I wasn't living with her, but she'd sent me this, wasn't even an email back then. I can't remember, on the phone, that's yeah. right, because I'm old. <laughs> and um, when we were on the phone, she goes, I found you this job at Qantas. Ooh. Like, and I was <laughs> like, I was this sort of alternative young girl, like finding herself yeah. like shaved head, you know, like yeah. far out. And I'm just like dreading. <laughs> I went to the frigging interview in a pair of shorts, right? Love it. And I, I got, I got to the second interview and I was shitting myself and going, ah! so I looked in the local paper. There was a job for a assistant at a Montessori school. I got that job and I worked there for two years and my boss, who is still a, a dear friend today, she became very much a mother figure to me and encouraged me to sign up to go to National Art School. For, it was called East Sydney Tech back then. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and I got in and I had just, I had no confidence, like, no so how old were you then, Peter? Were you in your 20s? I was 18. 18, I was wow. 18 yeah. when I left school. Yeah. No, 17, because I was young for my year. Yeah. So 18, I was 19. just turned, 
Yeah, I was 19, about to turn 20 yeah. when I got It's still so young, isn't it, to be at art school, I think. I mean, I, oh. Julie, Julie and I also went to art school around that time and we both look back and think, well, well, to start with, we did very odd degrees. But um, I also look back on it and think, I, I mean, I, I hadn't had enough life to, in order to yeah. create. I think I just wasted. Because I think everyone wants to just break out and it's the first time you've got freedom yeah, exactly. really from your parents. And it's sort <laughs> yeah. of a, a bad time because I've, anyway, look, everyone has different journeys. Some people use it wisely. I didn't. No, um, I didn't oh, either. But, but I think, it, but it's all part of your journey. It is. It, it is, is all part of, part of your journey. Did you enjoy I, it? Did, did you get a good experience I, out of it? Or? I enjoyed first year. But in second year, I realised, because I was doing a painting major, that they wanted everyone to paint the same. Like, yeah. you know, the, the grad shows, it all looked like the, like the same artist. Like, because yeah. they, in the 70s, um, you know, uh, a lot of famous abstract expressionist painters came out of there. Yeah. And I remember this ugh, wanker of a teacher I had <laughs> saying painting into this friend's work and it was so beautiful she'd done this nude and he painted into it and he said this is not how we paint here and I was incensed and I was like what the fuck like yeah. I actually said that <laughs> yeah. well it's true and I walked out and I just didn't come back like uh and then after that I organised an exhibition at this space in Glebe called Cyberspace and there were 30 artists and they were from different, like, so there was people from COFA, East Sydney, um, Sydney College of the Arts and then just other people involved. Yeah. And that girl who painted, who he painted yeah. into, she sold every single fucking work at that yeah. exhibition. And guess who bought one of her works? He did. Russell Crowe. Whoa! Uh, Score! Yeah, Nothing. when he was, um, when he was, uh, you know, he'd just done um, the Skinhead movie. Um, oh, no. Oh, yeah, I can't, can't remember. Oh, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, I can't. I love Russell Crowe. Basically, you sort of have to take things into your own hands in a way, don't you? If you want things to happen, which I suppose that's what you've done throughout yeah. your career, just get on and do it yourself. Like, do an exhibition. Like, yeah, because nothing, and I, to, to be honest, I learned that from both my mum and dad, who were both very hardworking. Yeah. My mum was actually my father's boss. Um, oh. Really? That's yeah. so cool. Love it. Yeah, which was... What did they do for work? So they worked for a plastic importer, like, you know, selling garbage bags and plastic, yeah, plastic bags to <laughs> places before everyone realised that they were choking the earth and killing yeah. it. Um, and my mum, yeah, was the boss and my dad was the truck driver and also for a time the sales guy. Um, but my dad came from a very poor upbringing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he just taught me about 
work ethics. Yeah. So did my mum. And that, you know, you just don't question shit. You just do it. Like if yeah. you see a problem, there is a solution. There is a solution. Yeah. You know? Um, and I've just, I don't know. Sometimes, yeah, I just don't think about it. I just, oh, I want to do that. I'm, I'm gonna yeah, do that's it. good. But would you advise people or, or anyone to go to art school now, like after school or even our age? Like, do you think it's something that is necessary or would you like, would you advise your daughter to go? Your daughter's creative, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I think it's a really, it's like schools as far as I'm concerned. I yeah. think it's on a case by case basis. Yeah, I agree. And it yeah. depends on the person and the type of learner they are. Yeah. And it yeah. depends on what they want to learn. It's not like the old days where, you know, you could go and study under an artist or work yeah. in an artist studio and learn from them. I think that is a great way to learn. Yeah, I um, agree. It's an yeah. apprenticeship, isn't it? It needs yeah. to, and that's how you learn. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um the thing that worries me is the over conceptualization yeah. of the art world because I really think we're losing the skills, yeah. like the foundation skills. Yeah. Um I'm really glad though that uh, at National Art School, they still do, you have to do life drawing through yeah. the whole thing. But I think it's really important that we do not lose um, those skills. Yeah. And I actually think art teachers should be in every primary school across the country. Yeah. And I think they should be exhibiting artists. I agree. Artists in residence. Every primary school, yeah. I think, needs an artist mm. in residence because yeah. then you supply them with a space in order for them to practice and then the kids can mm. watch how it goes, you know, mm. and then in exchange for the studio space, you teach. It's but the other, not the rocket other, science. No, but the other thing as well is there are hundreds of thousands of kids in schools right now mm. who are not seen yeah or they're yeah. seen as problems yeah. or they're seen as having something wrong with them yeah and that is because the system they're in does not work for them right. and they're not allowed to like some of these kids are so creative. Oh, yeah. And it might not necessarily be that they can draw a picture of a fish perfectly. No. But even tactile, like sculpturally, however, yeah. like we need to allow kids, especially because there's so many kids, like in my last, you know, few years of teaching, I was just seeing more and more kids with anxiety yeah. and social disorders. And, you know... We know why. Why the hell aren't we doing anything about it? Like, yeah. sorry, yeah, I just it, get very... I, I completely agree with you, Peter. It's that whole square peg being rammed into round holes analogy. I think of you know, yeah. my kids. Yeah. Um, I've got my kids are so different. They are chalk and cheese, you know. And I've yeah. got one who fits the school mould absolutely perfectly. He's the cookie cutter kid for education mm -hmm. as it exists. And then I've got another one who cannot wait to 
not have to go because yep. he just he's dyslexic so immediately he's right. on his back foot but he's a dyslexic who reads every single day has always read he's the kind of kid who loves reading you know and people say you can't be dyslexic because you read and he's like what you know it he just doesn't fit the mold but i think what's been great with him is that we we introduced him to the love of books and and yeah. it doesn't matter if you don't read it how it is the fact that you're absorbing it is yeah. is fantastic and that you oh, oh, sorry, yeah, interpret the world in a different way and i i think it's important that we do that you know yeah is that your puppy dog that's my dog hey come here come here Come on. What's your Good dog's boy. name, Peter? We don't, we've had... Uh, okay. I have to preface this with the fact that he is a rescue, so we did not name him, and his name is Fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> is it an Alsatian? <laughs> no. It's a... Um, he's a cavalier. Is he? Oh, bless. Man. So he is Fluffy. I thought it was going to be ironic. And be... No, 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 no. It's just... I have this thing like when I was um, I was dating this guy in high school and his parents were really posh and I was at their house for dinner one night and he farted at the dinner table and his mum, I shit you not, turns around and says, Ooh, I'll change his name. Oh, John, did you let Fluffy off the chain? Oh my lord. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you Every don't. time I say the dog's name, I just am taken back to that. That would be a good. That would be a good title for a painting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon we should give that. I might use that um, this week for my kids' warm up. We, we're all going to draw. <laughs> Did you let Fluffy off the chain? <laughs> Let's see what they all come up with. All right, watch my Instagram for that one. So, Tell us so, about your teach. So you came, did you start teaching? You are, you are the kid creative, known as, otherwise known as the kid creative. Yeah. And did you uh, get into teaching? Why did you get into teaching? What is it that you love about teaching? Well, I guess when I, um, my first experience with sort of teaching per se was, um, or viewing teaching, I guess, was yeah. my auntie worked at a Aboriginal primary school in a place called Perfleet, which is on the outer edges of Taree. So, yeah. of course, they were the townships built to hide Aboriginal people away mm. from the white community. And she taught there and I used to go there as a young kid to visit and hang out sometimes. Um then I did some teaching at school, teaching tennis yep. to kids, like in high school. And I just really liked that feeling or that idea because I'd had some teachers that were fantastic like, mm. and that there weren't many. But when I did connect with them, it was very powerful. Yeah. But when it didn't work and when they were really awful like I just realized how damaging mm. that can be for a human mm. being yeah and yeah I just I've always liked teaching in different forms so 
at Montessori, which was really just about, you know, teaching their method. But the art stuff happened when I, I lived in Central Australia in Alice Springs in the early 90s and um, for a year. And I was asked to teach a group of kids. Um, and yeah, I did it and I loved it. Yeah. But it wasn't a constant. It was very sporadic. But then the kid creative happened because Edie started school and I was absolutely appalled at the lack of creative content and good creative content mm. for children. Yeah. And that's where it all what, began. Do you, do you have any ideas about um, why? Have you had any conversations with primary teachers as to why it's so bad or...? Okay, I think for a start yeah. that you have to think about, in general, how Australian society sees art. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Number one, it's sport. Sport is number yeah. one in this country. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Art is like this sort of weird little cute thing you do as, oh, a hobby, or yeah. it's just not taken seriously. No, not valued. Um, and... I mean, at the moment you see it with the, the sculpture walk they want to do and these local uh, Northern Beaches councillors, you know, yeah. brouharing about stuff and, and just I got into an argument with someone online last week about it and I just said, why, why do I have to, as an artist, get the okay to make a living? Yes. Why are you okay with a football person getting an exorbitant amount of money paid per year when they piss it up the wall or, you know... Gamble it away or... Gamble it away or in some rape yeah. accusation. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. anyway. Um, but that comes from our conditioning, you know, and the way people are taught to yeah. appreciate and connect with things. Um, what was the question again? I totally rambled off. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was about how you got into teaching. So um, your teaching style's really um, free, I would say, like, you know, the opposite of what happens in schools. So do yeah. you find the kids really coming out of themselves, the ones that do have issues at school with when yeah. they're... Yes. They feel because... And I must add too, I've actually stopped teaching for a bit. Um, I don't know how long that will be, but I've just put the pause button on it yeah. while I Is do other things. Did you, did you stop because of COVID? No, I'd actually, it's weird. I decided the end of last year because I was doing my show for Adelaide Fringe. Yeah. And I just wanted to be completely focused and yeah. not worried about anything. Yeah. And then COVID happened and during that time I just really reflected on how I've always done a lot of things for other people in my life. Yep. And this time it was about me. Yeah, good. And nurturing my creative yeah. journey, I guess. It does take a lot out of you. Um, you know, as a as I was just talking to Julie before we um, started this interview about um, my teaching practice and how 
I love it, but I struggle with the um, amount of time and energy, creative energy that it takes for me. Because yeah. I give a lot. And yes. I can't do half a job. Um, and I can't, repeat, I can't repeat things either because yep. it doesn't. <laughs> It's just not the point for me. But, but today I taught and I enjoyed it. But I want I wanted, wanted to paint today. I was like, ah! you know. Mm. So do you struggle with that with your teaching that you it sucks your creativity and oh. you don't focus on yourself? Yeah, because I don't do things in halves. Yeah, like when I create, like I mean. Parents can send their kids to some cookie cutter art school and there's a lot of them out there who've just oh, gone, yeah. oh, great. Like, you know, let's get kids doing the same friggin' bloody painted pottery shit. Like, yeah. that doesn't actually connect to the child. No. That doesn't do shit. Like, that goes, oh, look at this pretty thing I made today, mum and dad. Yeah. Like, or, you know, whoever Copy. your parents are. But, um, yeah, like, I just... I want to I want to create really interesting engaging content because you know what the most incredible conversations I have are with the kids yeah. around that art table I've had the most profound yeah. and inspiring conversations with kids aged between the ages of 6 and 12 yeah. you know yeah I agree with you Pete. I think they are phenomenal balls of um they're sponges at that age yes i yes. love that primary age group because they're just so open they haven't yeah. got any of the baggage um that comes with you know when they get to high school it all goes a bit tits up doesn't it but it's also isn't it sad though because that's also the age where they start hearing those messages oh they're not very good at math yeah. oh they they're a they're a real challenge in the classroom or yeah. they're this or they're that. So you start at that age also structuring. Mm. It's like you're starting to build that idea about who you are. Mm. And in year seven, mm. that I think is a really, really um, interesting time, that mm. year seven, year eight, because... If it doesn't go well, then we all know that the year nine thing sucks because yeah. it does. Yeah. Like, Jesus. But if you add in that a kid's identity, like that they don't feel confident or strong within themselves, that's when it all just you yeah. know, really well, go well for kids. And also in school, it's like if you're not good enough for something, then they encourage you to drop it or you don't get picked for something. Whereas, why do you have to be good at it to, yeah, to, to do it? it. Yeah. Carry on. Oh, oh, oh. Totally. Like, yeah. Why, I'm like, you don't have to be good at it. Like, you just have to enjoy it and do what but, you want with it. But the reason why is because schools now are being bloody mm. marked. Mm. And, you know, um, yeah. like with the whole NAPLAN crap, um, <clears throat> You know, I, I think at the end of the day, teachers are under an enormous amount of pressure yeah. to get results. And if they don't get results... They get then, fired. Yeah, or yeah. not even fired, but just life is a lot harder and a lot yeah. more difficult. 
And also parents, man. Parents need to back the fuck off. I agree. Well, they've got no time to teach now. Teachers don't have time to bloody teach. My friends that work in, in primary education, they just spend so much effing time doing stuff that's not relevant. Like NAPLAN. We call NAPLAN napalm in our house. It's <laughs> My boys go, I'm not doing that napalm. It's, it's so disru- it's destructive. It's bullshit. But um, yeah. they, I just think there's no time for the teachers to actually engage with the kids and, and no. roll with it. But I, well, I, think, I think the Australian culture, and maybe in England too, but I, I definitely know when I moved here is the com- competition yeah. of everything yeah. in sport I mean everything it's a competition and and it's the winner of everything and they it's school is very similar to that the yeah. you've got to be the, the top there's safe. a competition yeah no you're right yeah, which, in life is you should be competing against yourself and getting better yourself not against other people yeah, yeah. but you know that's also that's really also a thing that parents and teachers have to look at as well. Like, you know, just even a kid, like we have this philosophy with both our kids because I have a stepdaughter who's 17 and doing the HSC at the moment and my other daughter is in year six. But the big thing we say to both of them is you just have to give it a go. Yeah. Give it a go, try, but you can't, not try but you cannot give up and you can't just go nah I'm not doing it like because you know part of really gaining that self-confidence and self-worth is giving everything a go and you know what you're not going to be brilliant at everything but shit like you don't know know. I always think you never really know what what um, you know being an anxiety sufferer i often talk myself out of things and then really enjoy them so i think mm. just having that attitude of give it a go you never know that might end up being yeah. a new passion or a new it's just showing up isn't it it's showing oh, up so you've got anxiety too Fiona. yeah good old anxiety he has got everything peter i've got everything yeah oh, i love i yeah, i love it i should say that <laughs> But show me a creative that doesn't struggle with their mental health, really. Oh, I think we've all got, we've all got, I'm going to segue, Julie. We've all got our baggage. I tried to do it earlier, but I didn't succeed. (laughs) Which leads me beautifully into, tell us, Peter, how the fuck was Adelaide, your show, Baggage Limit? How did you go? in the okay. Adelaide Fringe Festival. Did well, you love it? Tell us all about the show. I did. Well, for a start, I must say that the big win for me was actually getting there because I drove by myself to Adelaide. That is a long three days to, I took three days to do it, but I've never liked... I got my licence later in life, like when I was 40 and um, even though I cycle everywhere, I just, I'm fine driving in the city, driving, you know, yeah. but driving on, you know, big highways and stuff, 
yeah. used to give me such incredible anxiety. Yeah. We have to concentrate um, for a long time. It's Yeah. Well, you know, the medication helps. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I drove and it was, I, I absolutely loved it. And I overtook trucks. Like, seriously. I was yeah. high-fiving myself. Just going, and it's, it's and a then I, um, drive, isn't it? My most, huh? It's a really difficult drive. We, I haven't driven, but I've been driven. Like those hay yeah. planes, that is the flattest part of the yeah. world. Did you get yeah. the whole mirage thing going on while you were driving along? Man, there was a dust storm as oh, I was driving. Wow. Yeah. And I was listening to a podcast and I'm right into crime podcasts, so all yeah. the way it's all about dismembered bodies and spooking yourself. Then these, like the hay planes, I'm like going, oh my god, I feel like I'm on one of the podcasts. Yeah. I'm waiting to see a dead I'm body. Right. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have never met anyone that has done anything for a fringe festival. It's very exciting. How, why? Why did you decide to do that? Well, um, so. I'd written the show and, well, it was really a thing I did at Manly Art Gallery. They asked me to do this quest Q&A thing and I don't really like Q&A, so I said, can I write a musical <laughs> about my life? <laughs> Good I don't like talking, but I can write a musical about myself. I'd always wanted to, and I thought, oh, this will be a really good opportunity to do it. I can do it in a space that I'm really comfortable in because I'd worked with Manly Art Gallery previously, and it just felt safe. And they went, um, we'll do up 100 tickets, and I'm like, they all sold, and I was freaked out, and I was writing stuff like the day of it, and then my mate Phil, like, what it's ended up as to what it first was is very different. Yeah. But there's similarities in there. So, yeah, I wrote it and then I thought, where is the best place for me to do this? And fringe festivals are great because they're all about uh, people, first-timers or yeah. even people who are, have just written new things, performing yeah. them and getting feedback. Um, and so why I decided to go. Was Adelaide a particular... Huh? Why did you go for Adelaide? Because Adelaide second to uh, Edinburgh yeah. is one of the nice. biggest yeah. in yeah. the world. Yeah. Um, and also, too, I just... It just... I don't know. It was just the right Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and it was great, like... I learnt a lot. Like, I I did it. My friend Phil um, Downing, he's a he's worked in theatre for years, and he and I used to be in a band together years ago. Yeah. Um, and after the seven days, he said to me of the performances, he said, "Man, I've worked in the industry a long time." He said, "But what you've experienced as a performer in seven days." is what some people don't experience after being in the theatre for 10 years. Yeah. Like, wow. I had everything from a, a, a person walk out of the show, like, just before the end, 
who happened to be someone from Sydney Fringe Festival, but I ironed that out and it was okay. It wasn't that he hated it, but I had like anxiety <laughs> for five days going, oh shit, my life's over. Oh, um, probably Irish or something. Huh? Probably needed a wee. No, he just was, had a few feelings, like was a little triggered by oh. it. Well, that's you that, wow! That's amazing that you create that though. As an artist, that's oh yeah. No, I mean I was just like, look, I was shitting myself. I must admit, like the week before, because Stephen, my husband, had been bloody hiking in Patagonia in the lead up before yeah, yeah, I went. Yeah. So usually he's my wingman. Yeah. You know, he knows how my anxiety gets just before yeah. something big is going to happen. And he soothes me. Like, yeah. he just He's your role. calms me. Yeah. But he wasn't there. And I was playing single mum. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what am I doing? They're going to find out I can't act and that I'm just like, what the? And because the show's very personal. Yeah. Um, and after opening night, which was great, but I forgot a bit and... Oh, yeah, you couldn't tell if you weren't in the audience, but, you know, oh, my God, or if you were. Every um, performance. What, what, for the listeners, like, what was the show about? Okay, so the show is basically an autobiographical look at understanding my anxiety and depression by investigating or going into the stories of my grandmother, my mother and my father. Yep. And part of the story is told by my two alter egos, Wayne and Sharon. Love Wayne it. resembling <laughs> the anxiety. It's brilliant. It's and, so good, people. And um, Sharon is basically God. I mean, not in the... I don't see God as the Jesus God. I just see God as like an omnipresent being yeah. in the world that's my that's my take. personal take um but you know god can be anything um amen um but <laughs> yeah so that's basically it and it's told through uh my voice the voices of my family my alter egos and there's some musical numbers thrown in. <laughs> which is awesome written. because you have a rocking voice. Oh, which, thank um, you. I was recently, um, on my birthday this year, I didn't realise that you were going to sing for me. Oh, was it your birthday? <laughs> yeah, because I was at Puff Duff. In the oh, no, I didn't even know you were there. I know. Well, I didn't really know oh, I was yeah. there by the time I left. Because... <laughs> 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 I was out with my two favourite boys from um, from awesome. my childhood, and yes, we were a little bit worse for wear. So, which is why I didn't come up and say hello because I think I was <laughs> exited from the club. It was such a good night, though. It was bloody brilliant night. What a great way to end the lockout laws in Sydney. Oh yeah, and I'm like, yeah. what the fuck is Peter doing? <laughs> You were amazing. You did were you? rocking it. Did you seriously not know I was going to be there? No, no idea. 
you're kidding that no idea whatsoever i just and i didn't even know i was going i was out for dinner in the city and i got a phone call saying come your name's on yeah. the list come in it was all very organic as it always is well so, so did you, did you know that i would sung no, I really got my head around that. So oh. you, blew my, you blew me away. You were absolutely brilliant. So are you tempted now to get get put your singing shoes back on and do more performing? Fuck no. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, not not in the industry per se. Um, I'm keen to write more pieces for theatre yeah. that involve song. Yeah. I. I've always had this thing where I've felt whatever I'm doing, I feel like I have to be doing something that helps others in yeah. some way. Like I have to be of service. And when I, as much as it was an amazing, like, you know, amazing opportunity back then and I got to travel the country and, you know, yeah. be on TV and have 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. Um, I, I just felt like You're right. it wasn't enough for me. Like yeah. that's, that, what, that's what must keep you so grounded. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I guess it, being a creative, I think there's all different types of creatives out there. And yeah. I guess people who want the fame and fortune, mm. whatever that is, um, get inspired and fueled by popularity of performing or all that the yeah. feedback you get on stage yeah. and other people like yourself are saying you need to see the value in providing a service for others you know what is yeah. the value in singing it's not about me so you're yeah. that non-narcissistic genes yeah. you. um so would you like community choir? Community? No, no. So no, it's not to say. Like I, I should preface that with. It's not to say though. I really enjoy connecting with an audience. Yeah. I love that. Like I love nothing more than being with a really good band and just jamming and like there's just nothing else like it with good yeah. musicians and finding a groove and yeah having fun i don't want to do that for a living but i do want to write more musical sort of theater stuff if you want to it's not musical theater but more monologue musicals about subjects yeah. that connect with people and can make a difference Definitely. I will say the thing about baggage limit that blew my mind was because I want, as you know, in part of it, I start from my birth and I'm in a vulva suit, literally, <laughs> and I give birth to myself. Brilliant. Um, and I always wondered what the response from the males in the crowd would be, like yeah. how they would deal with that. Um, but what was incredible was the men who came up to me after the show and just were like, thank you so much. Um, you really, like, they really wanted to talk with me and connect with me That's about cool. obviously things that they've been feeling or, you know, yeah. it was just really, it blew my mind and I went, you know what, this is why I like doing this sort of stuff and this is where I 
want to keep going. And, and you, and this is a, the, you have an ability to connect with people and bring up topics that are difficult to talk about and yeah. subjects, subjects that people struggle with. And I think nowadays people are getting better at discussing things like mental health, um, yeah. suicide, homelessness, um, you know, domestic abuse, all these things that I, when, when I grew up, we weren't allowed to talk about those things, you know, death, grief, you know, my family dealt with things with the double thickness of the newspaper. Like my father would never yeah. discuss anything with me because it was all too difficult. So he yeah. just put the newspaper up. Whereas now I think what I love about our kids generation is that they are happy to engage and they want to have those conversations. And I think yeah. through um, musical theater for want of a better um, term, yeah. you can have, you can start those conversations. But yes. how, how do you, like, I'm trying to find a connection between doing that in some way, but with painting, like, how yes. do you connect with people when it's a 2D medium? Uh, so, basically, that's happened more for me when I have worked with people doing workshops. So it's been from a teaching perspective. Um, the painting for me has always felt a little indulgent, but it's also been, from what I can see, definitely mental health therapy for myself. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, so I think painting, paintings morphing into jewelry. Um, yeah. And that's just my new take on that platform. Tell us, tell us about your um, tell us about your jewelry. How did that come about? Is that through your love of jewelry? So you've got a range called Elements, if I'm right. That yes. um, you were working, and I've noticed on your social media that you've got fantastic black clay things happening at the yes, moment. Yes, which are which are um, in a kiln at Brookvale at the moment. Are they all? Um, so, yes, yeah, so how that happened, it's hilarious. Um, I bought this clay with the idea of making a totem pole in our garden because we've just completely redone our garden. Yeah. And anyway, I thought, oh, I'll just warm up by making something. And I made a ring and I went, ooh. And then it just, <laughs> one ring turned into bangles, turned into... Love uh, it. Like, and I just went, oh, this is it. Like, this is it. And it just felt right. Like, I just went, okay, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Yeah. So that's how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so you to know it, it runs. Yeah, that's a great huh? way. That's the way life should be, really, shouldn't it? Investigate. Yeah. So well, it's COVID as well. Huh? Sorry? Are you going to sell them on your website or? Yeah, I've got to, um, I've got to basically, I'm going to set up a Shopify account or whatever it yeah. is, but I've got a shop in Annandale called The Happen Store. It's a really. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, the hap it's such, Kath who runs it. I actually used to serve her coffee like 20 years ago in a cafe I worked in in Glebe. Yeah. 
and we bumped into one another through a mutual friend a few years ago. Um, and yeah, this store is amazing. So they do a lot of workshops there and they sell um, ceramics, paintings, all sorts of, uh, Kat's a textile designer as well. Um, and so they sell in store as well as doing these incredible workshops too. So yeah yeah we've heard of that place i um i'm definitely well overdue for a trip to the inner west so oh, i love the inner west part of the world isn't it it is it is i love it a bit more i don't miss it for the plains the plains can uh -uh. yeah but um yeah <laughs> I, I... <laughs> you're right at the moment there's no planes going is there no well they've they've started coming back friends have been saying slowly but surely Oh. Yeah, not a lot, but you know, yeah. enough to notice a bit of a difference, I guess. Yeah, definitely. We've just been spoiled during COVID yeah. in that sense. I know, it's been quiet. How, um, have you, so, how have you managed with COVID times? Have you enjoyed, did you enjoy the quiet or were you? Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a, I'm a right down the middle. I'm an introvert extrovert. Yeah, that's how I so, describe myself. <laughs> yeah, so. I really, when I've been connecting with people, I definitely, like it was great timing coming back from um, Adelaide and going into COVID, although it was weird because I didn't get to celebrate it yeah. with my friends. Um, but but you got to yeah, do it. It's great, isn't it? It's, um, yeah. thank goodness you squeezed it in. Would you be tempted to take it to Edinburgh, the show? No, I'm not going to do Edinburgh because I actually met a woman in Adelaide who takes shows around and stuff. And she was yeah. saying that Edinburgh isn't about making money for artists anymore. She said that it's so oversaturated with stuff yeah. going on. Yeah. Um, so what I've decided is that I do Melbourne and Sydney. Yeah. Uh, and then approach theatres because I think, a lot of people regionally would yeah. um, really yeah. connect with yeah. yeah. Um, and I'd really love to go into women's prisons and do the wow. show. Yeah. And I'd like to write a workshop around identifying and naming those alter egos we have. Yeah. I'd really like to... Um, yeah, create a workshop around that and do workshops at the same time. But to be honest, I'm sort of glad COVID happened because I think I didn't realise the gravity because the show is very personal. Yeah. I thought, oh, yeah, I've, I've written a show. I've dealt with all my shit and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then, like, three weeks into COVID, it all just sort of Bubbled came up. up to the surface and I yeah. went, whoa okay right so i really have to make sure that i'm in a really grounded state of mind before i decide to go around connecting with people yeah um on issues around mental health yeah because well, by telling I your story you're opening other people's doors and you're very brave because the the easiest thing to do when you when you do have 
mental health issues you know, with yeah. anxiety and depression is to brush it under the carpet and self-medicate. That's the yeah. easiest way. Um, yeah. Run away, run away! Oh. But the, the difference... it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to stop a lot of uh, psychologists. They seem to be more mental than the patients. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember the first one I had to go to when I was in high school and, oh my God, I'm... Do kids listen to this podcast? No. Probably not. It's called Art Wank. I would doubt it. Okay, great. Yeah, so I remember going to my first, the school made me go. And, um, yeah, I was completely stoned. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And she talked really slowly, like I was an idiot. Um, But I recently, a couple of years ago, found a great woman that, I see when I need to see and yeah she's she's been fantastic and really helped me move through some really big piles of shit Mm. (laughs) yeah and I think this is it I mean you you're by by um addressing and opening up those doors for you which is what the show must have done is it open opens up Pandora's box and Mm. yeah I, I reckon everyone could do with some time you know uh, assessing We're, I love that Ted Hughes poem about they fuck you up your mum and dad they may they may not mean to but they do and it's so true and we're doing the same thing to our kids of course we're gonna fuck them up it's it's the way the, the world rolls you know and yeah. and I think these well, it's not, you know what I don't think it's that we fuck them up it's it's what are we handing over yeah like what gift are we giving our kids? And sometimes, because sometimes those gifts can be really light, enlighten, like they're all enlightening, I guess, but sometimes those gifts come from a place of pain and, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, but the thing with kids, they're really resilient. Yeah. But if you are honest with them, like, and, and you explain to them, why it is like you know you just behaved the way you did or whatever yeah they get it and yeah it it makes them realize that we're all friggin human we're not these bloody stepford wives yeah yeah yeah. we have such a we have such a high stupidly high expectation about the way we parent today and well there's pressure put on us to be these perfect parents, which we're not. You know, I think now, my dad always says, God, he'd hate to be a modern man. You've got to be everything. You've got to be, you know, you've got to tick all the boxes. But I'm like, yeah, dad, but you're just thinking about men as usual. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but you but don't, was- okay, the, the thing I will say about women, though, because I grew up in a household where everything was switched around. So yeah. my mum and dad didn't have gendered roles. Like... My dad cooked and cleaned like my mum did and they just did when the other couldn't. Like it wasn't, I'm the man, so you will blah, blah, blah. Like it just wasn't like that. So I was very fortunate. And then when I get into relationships with guys, it'd be like, you fucking do your washing. Like piss off, go home. Like if you, it's just women, I think, Need to be taught. Yeah. Well, it's also this thing about 
be polite, you know, mind your manners. Yeah. Oh, give me a break. You know what I mean? Like, dude, pick up after yourself. That, like, yeah. watch I, a I walk. Like 1950s bullshit manual of where you oh. tie a ribbon in your hair and greet your husband with a drink and ask yeah. him how his day was. Yeah. <laughs> My husband yeah. does all the cooking. There's, it's like... What are you making for dinner is how I greet my husband. Well, I'm always telling my son that, you know, I don't want his future wife or husband to mm. be like, I don't want to feel like I've done them a disservice by bringing up a lazy, yeah. you know, mm. I don't know. A lazy boy. Son. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's called a partnership for a reason. Yeah. You're there to carry the weight for each other yeah like you're there to help each other yeah and if someone's going i can understand it right when because my husband and i we have a what would you call it a um not a we don't live together but yep. we're together um really how'd you manage that that's perfect well i had a breakdown <laughs> That was the, that was the, I had a breakdown um, and, and then we, we split for a little bit and his dad was very ill so he was caring for him. Um, but then when we got back together, it was just like, oh, this is really cool, not living together. Um, and we both realised we probably wanted that for a really long time but couldn't say it to yeah. the other because we were worried how the other person might feel about that. Yeah. And then it was just, it's, you know, it still comes with it. You're navigating new territory. So it's, it's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just great, especially because I'm at the start of, um, I think, menopause and... Yeah. When I was going through a lot of stuff, my stepdaughter was going through hormonal stuff and we were just clashing like it was just full on. Yeah. So it's wonderful to actually get breathing space from your kids too. Yeah, definitely. Because what a great idea, Peter. I'm loving it. I know. It. I reckon you yeah. should. Yeah. I'm going to this out this afternoon. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's why. You actually appreciate each other more and it stops becoming because I, I just found that the kids were just become, like we lost each other mm. to all these things and responsibilities yeah. and getting the yeah. kids there and doing this and um, why are you and there's an added element when you're a step parent too because it's like the boundaries shift and change. Yeah. Um, but now it's not like now it's like, you know, what are we having? Are you coming over for dinner? What do you want? Like, it's like having a boyfriend again. That is so exciting. Isn't it? It's like on Sex and the City. I love that bit when Big says, I'm going to go back to my apartment a couple of days a week. And I'm like, that's my dream. Yeah. Well, I'm fucking living in sister and it's pretty bloody good. I tell yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, call me, call me Miss, Ms. Little, not Mr. Big. Ms. Little. Yeah, there you go. You can be Ms. Little. 
Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, we all want to be you now. We're just all don't. Believe me, you don't want to be me either. We could swap. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, for the last two questions, um, yeah. we normally ask uh, these two questions. So what artists really inspire you, but also what one artist would you like to visit in their studio? And they could be dead or alive. Uh, Joni Mitchell, definitely. Nice. Love because it. she's a singer and a painter, songwriter. Um, Kindred I just, spirit. Yeah, I just have always, like, my favourite song in terms of lyrical content is A Case of You from her album Blue. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I just think she's an incredible woman. She's always stood truthfully as an artist like she never got in the machine and changed how she wanted to create she was always creating what she wanted um i i think yeah i just have a lot of admiration for her Um, like freddie mercury i mean i always look at freddie mercury to be he oh yeah he would he was so creative and so mm. such a genius within the music industry and he didn't give a fuck about the um the label he did what he no. wanted to do no yeah the other one i reckon if i had to choose a male uh, david bowie i'd love to sit down and i mean i know he's dead but no it's all right um, we'll bring him back we'll bring him back to life yeah I just, I just, um, there's an interview with him and the guy from MTV. Yeah. Because David was very, um, uh, very forward in asking why they weren't playing black artists when MTV first started. Yeah, good on him. Um, and was very frank, but there's this interview and it's so incredible because he is able to ask really very poignant questions that don't um, repel the person in front of him. You know, like you can have really hard conversations and sometimes those conversations will just go up in smoke because the energy of it is too aggressive. Yeah. But he's so measured and so, I just always love the rhythm of his, just whenever he talks, there's, there's always a um, consideredness about him. I just really admired. Yeah. Yeah. It was like he was from a different planet, really, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 And I loved his album. That Black Star album that I, yeah. I, couldn't stop playing it was so dark but so yeah you could just tell he knew he was dying you know yeah but how amazing to be able to creatively get those emotions across oh yeah oh the other one too would be patty smith definitely like hello Mm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) love it imagine those three you could have dinner with all of them 
Oh, that it, I'd shit myself. <laughs> I've never met one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I need my tenner pad. <laughs> it's the whole packet, love. Yeah. <laughs> you could wear your vulva outfit. They'd love you. Oh, that'd, that'd break up the monotony, wouldn't it? I reckon I'm he'd, here. Be, he'd be trying to get in it. I reckon he'd be yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I'll wear it. Yeah. Uh, the other question uh, we always like to finish off with is, but I'm not sure how you're going to go with this one, is we normally, oh, God. what is a, your favourite artist tool? So what is it that you can't live without or something that's really special to you? Um that's part, so essential to your practice, but because you're so multidisciplinary. Okay, well, I'll give you an answer for the different disciplines, okay? Yeah. yeah. So in terms of music, yeah. it's always a good microphone, yeah. like, hello. Yeah. That's what we need for the podcast. We need yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> microphone, very important. Um, for painting, um, I just, oh, that's really surface? hard. Because, is, it huh? the, is it like the surface for you? Is it the paper or the canvas or the, or is it the actual materials that you make the marks with? What, what is it that stands out? For me, it needs to be the surface. I need good. Yeah, yeah, the surface, I think, definitely. But then, you know, it's all married, isn't it? Because then you can have the surface, but... If you don't have the right tool yeah. to that surface, it's just like there's there's like an intrinsic relationship in painting with yeah. different things. Yeah. Um, but surface is important, definitely. But yeah, yeah, surface. I don't want to put words in What about with your sculpting? So do you um, and your jewelry oh, kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. So that would Definitely, I think, have to be, um, oh, I just, I seem to be using um, a knife, like a paring, paring knife a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, and I really like it. I like the way it feels. I actually would like to try and find someone who makes knives and get yeah. them to make me a little paring knife to You've cut been with. doing some whittling, haven't you, through COVID times? No way. Been, yeah. Whittling, it's very exciting. I, oh, I want to do that because I want to add some um, timber pieces I've found into the clay, like once the clay's dried, yeah. so with the necklaces, I want to add timber elements into it. Ooh, ooh, okay. It's, what timber do you use? Well, it's called basewood, but I think um, oh, yeah. I just Googled it and then I got like a starter pack online with all the stuff and um, the kids have loved it because they can sand it and um, we've just made little like totemy things, like little things and I made a spoon. Awesome. I love working with wood. It's quite... Yeah. Mm. Wood, I, I actually, one thing I do love, which I just have to say is my husband last is power tools like oh, I, love I, power tool. I, I love, love a power tool. My I've son got a Bosch, a good Bosch. Um, oh, yeah, baby. Oh, uh, Bosch, you're what do you call it? Jigsaw? The cheap ones. Yeah, huh? I, I just saw. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. 
I had a mitre saw, but it was a bloody, it, it was a cheap one I bought, but it just, the cutting when it was crap, like mm. it just, it just used to mush everything. There's it nothing better great. than chicks with power tools. Jessica Watts, she's, she's the queen of the power tools. She's there with a concrete mixer and she makes a awesome. awards and we don't we, we could we could do an art wank calendar with artists with power tools oh yeah nude nude oh, calendar. oh fuck that <laughs> no, we, were watching, we were watching um the detectorists last night charlie and i we love that show we've been re-watching it it's a british drama about these yeah metal detectorists yeah. And um, what, in, in this club, um, the secretary, she suggests that they do a calendar. There's only seven members in this club, but they're going to do a nude calendar. And they're all like, no. I think we could do an art <laughs> nude calendar with power tools, Julie. I love it. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, that was, that was, a, yeah, that is, that's a good well, idea. That was such a great chat, Peter. Thank you so much. Oh, pleasure. I loved it. And where, when, where do you, like, what? It'll be out on all your favourite uh, podcast providers. Please don't forget to rate and review and share this podcast. It helps my mum and her friend Fiona get more listeners. Thank you.